thank you for your great and mighty love that you have showered on us. Thank you for your spirit that indwells us. Thank you for the spirit that breathes life upon your word and it talks from letters to life-giving spirits. Lord, we pray that your word will come as spirit to us today. We pray that it won't just tell us what to do, but it will come with the enabling power, helping us to do what you are telling us. We commend every heart here before you. And Lord, we declare in the name of Jesus, which is above every name, that every force of darkness that distracts men or steals words from the hearts of men will steal your activities and we command in the name of Jesus that the words that will fall upon our hearts will bear fruit and Jesus will be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. If we can take time to cast our minds back, we'll be marveled at what the Lord has done for us. Praise the Lord. And looking at the message, when this first prophecy came, a lot was saved. And I wish to remind us again, because a lot of those things, they actually summarize some things I'll be talking about this morning to us. For the youth, because um, that's the focus of today, even though the word will be coming to all of us, but I'll specifically read out what I wrote down concerning the youth. He said, trust the Lord thy God, look upon me, and you will not be disappointed. The Lord your God knows all your troubles, and everything you need in life is in the court of your God. There is everlasting strength and provisions in the Lord. Now, these days of distraction, as, I was, as was pointed out also in the drama, there's a lot happening. And if you understand that the true battle of life is actually in the mind, we will know that until we learn to quieten our hearts before the Lord, until we learn to be still inside, we'll still have a long way to go. Jesus said that my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And the Ecclesiastes said in 12.1 that, Remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. When you are still strong, before the evil days come, before the time comes when you shall say, oh, I do not take pleasure in these things again. You know, you would desire to do a lot of things, but you find no strength. One time I was talking with somebody, you know, an elderly person, and she said something that really touched me. She said that when I sit down and I see these young people run around, my son was busy running, I mean, when he used to come to the big church here, you... <laughs> You can, it's impossible to stay short to the end of the service without noticing him. Because before you could say Jack, he has jetted out like jet here, there, here, there, here, there, all over the place. And she said something that touched me. Then when I look at these young ones, they jump up, they do this, they do that, they do that. And for me, or for us old people, when we try to do it, bones start breaking and things start happening. And it touched my heart. I know the Bible says in Proverbs 20, 26 that the glory of the young men is what? Your strength. While the honor of the old is the gray hair of experience and all that. We are at a privileged time. Well, I'm of the school of thought that I believe I'll still be a youth even up to 70. <laughs> so, and I think youthfulness is also in the mind. 
So it's important and we take that view of things. But for those of us who still have a lot of age on our side, let's not take it for granted. It's very important. We'll be considering the topic today, a man like-minded serving in the gospel. And we have read that in Philippians um, chapter 2 from verse 19 to 45. There are two key words there, like-minded, serving in the gospel. And I want you to hold your Bible because you'll be doing a lot of reading. Yeah, so, this is a testimony that Paul gave about Timothy when he was in the prison in Rome. And he was writing in response to the generous gifts he got for help from the church in Philippians to some dear friends there. So, in the writing, he was desiring if God permits, to send Timothy ahead of time to encourage them and to get words from them so that he will be encouraged. And you see the wonderful testimony he gave there about Timothy. I try to distill some things, important things out from it. Um, but lest I forget, there's an outline we have, and this is what we'll be following. We'll be talking about it, this testimony of Paul about Timothy. And then a previous testimony he has made about him when he was writing in his previous writings. Then we'll also look at the we'll look at the transformational process between the time the former testimony was given, which testified as that you know portrayed the picture that Timothy was a timid and a fearful person who Paul had to write to remind him to stir up the gift of God, which in some translations was translated as strength and power, that he should stir it up. So we'll look at what has happened between then to this second testimony that Paul is now giving about him as a brotherly person, zealous and committed in the work of God. And there are some processes that led to that. We'll look at them. We'll look at the scriptural foundation he had in successory prayers of Paul and some other people, spiritual gifts and word of prophecy that came to him, the process of discipleship that strengthened him, then the personal work he did, which is actually where I'll be laying emphasis, because that's where God is calling us to do. It's a process that, yes, others might help us, but the real work lies with us. So let's get started. Um, I don't know if any person here has um, NIV. I want three people to get one person with NIV, one person with King James Version, and one person with Amplifier. Let's quickly read Philippians 2, 20 to 22. Philippians 2, 20 to 22. There are some few things I want to bring out there. NIV, Philippians 2, from verse 20. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has approved himself, has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Thank you very much. Any other translation that is ready to read? Who will naturally care for your state? For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him that as a son, with the Father. He had served with me in the gospel. Okay, let's go on. Now, the key things I want to bring out there is, you know, if you look at this topic, a man like-minded, serving in the gospel, 
it will really take reading some of these things well from the beginning to get what he's talking about. He's giving a testimony. I wanted amplified because he brought out something that I love. He said, there is no one of such a kindred spirit or a brotherly spirit as Timothy who would naturally care for your own goods. For the other people tend to seek their own affairs and not the affairs of Jesus. But Timothy has proven himself as a son walking with his father. He has labored with me in the work of the gospel. And there's another translation that says that he has zealously labored with me in the course of the gospel. That's a wonderful testimony coming from somebody like Apostle Paul about Timothy. But let's look at a contrasting testimony that was given about him. Can someone quickly please read 2 Timothy? And I would like um, the Living Bible, if any person has the Living Bible, 2 Timothy 1, from verse 6 to 8a. This being so, I want to remind you to stare into flame the strength and boldness that is in you, that entered into you when I laid my hands upon your head and blessed you. For the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong, and to love them, and enjoy being with them. If you will set up this inner power, you will never be afraid to tell others about our Lord, or to let them know that I am your friend, even though I am here in jail, for Christ's sake. You will be ready to suffer with me for the Lord, for he will give you strength in suffering. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You heard the words Paul wrote there. Stare into flame the strength and the boldness that was into you, that it entered into you when I laid hands on you. And another thing, the Holy Spirit does not want you to be afraid of people, but he wants you to love them and to love to be with them. For if you stir up this power, you will be able to speak to others freely about our Lord Jesus. You know, one big problem um, well, as teenagers, but for some people, it gets up to even your, um, youth has its identity crisis, and then fear. I will call it fear of the unknown. It happened to me. You know, you are in the midst of your classmates, in the midst of your friends, in the midst of people that you are convinced needs to hear the word, and opportunities come to speak the word. In little ways that wouldn't even take so much time. But this fear is there. You know, you don't know where it's from. You struggle within. The fight within is even more than the fight you face without when you speak the word. So, now, Timothy met Paul when um, he was around 19 years. During one of the missions. They live in Lystra. And um, her mother was a Jewess. Um, but now converted to Christianity, she's a Jewish Christian. Also the grandmother, Louis, and the mother, Eunice. But the father was a Greek. He wasn't circumcised, even though he had started learning a lot about the scriptures. We will still come to that. Even before he got to the point of receiving the word and got born again. When Paul came, there was a wonderful testimony about Timothy that he's such a good person, such a person committed to the work. But he still had this fear. And Paul observed this. When Paul heard the testimony about, his, about him, he loved him. And decided to take him along in the work. So in the second missionary journey, when he started moving, he, Timothy joined them in the work. 
best, you know, sometimes he will leave him to complete the work here. Sometimes he will send him there. So he noticed this thing about him, you know, that fear, unable to really talk, come out and all that. Might have something to do with his age, might want something to do with personality. Could be related to anything, but I think it's something we are familiar with today. Now, when he was now writing the second letter, much later, towards the later part of his life, he gave another testimony about Timothy. He showed that a transformation has taken place. There is now a contrast. That this same person that he reasoned before that was fearful and timid, that God changed him through a process. And our prayer this morning is that as we go through this process that helped this young man, that God will do this work in us. For some of us who might be you know, having this timidity to talk about Christ or boldness to speak about him, but most importantly, we'll also learn another important thing I think everyone here needs, which is one of the instructions Paul kept giving him, which is fight the good fight of faith. Praise the Lord. Now, we'll look at the first thing that helped him. He had a strong scriptural foundation from the parents. Can someone please read um, 2 Timothy 3? 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. You must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from the trusting in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. From NIV here, it said, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those you've learned it from, and how from infancy, some translation says from childhood, you have learned or you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Some translations say, which gives you the wisdom or the knowledge that leads to salvation. From this testimony, and knowing when he met Paul, it was obvious that even though, um, um, I don't know exactly when, there was kind of a guess, that is when Paul came to preach, one of the period he healed the crippled man and he was stoned, literally to death, and he got up again, that it was around that period that he preached, and uh, Louis and um, Eunice got saved. I don't know exactly when, but one important thing is that they presented scriptures early enough to this young man. And the Bible states here that these scriptures, then they don't have the New Testament, I hope you know, is the scrolls. In fact, there's one translation that I call it the Holy Writings. Big scrolls that just flows. But they presented it early enough to him, whether by riddles at night or sitting down to read with him or teaching him, but they made it a point of duty to present the scriptures. And it did something in him, such that it built a foundation that when he came of age, it was easy for him to decide the way to go. And I want to ask us parents, what's the role we've been playing in our children's lives? You know, do we think they are too young to hear these things? Do we think they are too young to hear the message? And there are some questions I get from my first son, even the, the second daughter, I mean the second one, that's my daughter, that gets, that shudders me at times. And I wonder where this, I will look and see if somebody whispers these things to them. These children are very intelligent and they can understand. But even if they don't, make them hear it. 
and make them say it because it's thinking in somewhere and someday it will come up. It so much helped Timothy that when Paul was writing again in 2 Timothy 1.5, he said that, you know, there is this sincere faith that was in your grandmother, that was also in your mother, which I am now convinced lives in you now. And that sincere faith started from the seeds of the word of God that started sowing in. In the process also, the scriptures recorded, um, okay, let's read this Second Timothy 1.3. I'll quickly read that here. We see the place of prayers, intercessory prayers, because if you look through the writings of um, um, Paul to Timothy and some other places, Paul kept mentioning the prayers, the fact that he prayed for him. Um, Second Timothy 3. Second Timothy 1 from um, verse 3. He said, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestor did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which, is, which first lived in your grandmother, Louise, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Looking at this place, um, there's a translation that says that I prayed for you every day. And many times during the long nights. If you know the work of Paul and how busy he is and the movements he does, even when he was writing this, you know, when he was in prison, he was able to say that every day he prays for him. It's not easy to remember people by name. Sometimes we generally just pray for people. But we can pray for our children. Somebody stood in to pray for him. Called him by name. And was bold enough to write it in his writing that he prayed for him every day. So as leaders in the different fellowships, in the different groups that God has called us in his church. And also parents. Please, let's pray for the youth. Let's pray for our children. There is something I heard that helps me, even though I've not been consistent in doing that. But it helps to focus your energy when you really pray for someone. Because you find out sometimes when you start out to pray, many people to pray for many events. But you can have a prayer diary. You can split it if you have many children. You can write Sunday's name, you know, Monday, this person's name on Tuesday, Emeka's name on Wednesday or something. Even if it's 10 minutes of your prayer time, write their names. Whether they are around or not around, when it comes to your prayer time on Monday, you know you will intercede for Emeka today. Open that book. Lay hands on that his name. You can speak in tongues if you don't have words to pray. Most times I realize when you speak in tongues over time, say 10 minutes on that, words will come. The Spirit of God will start addressing specific issues about that person. And you can really go for interceding. It's better than just praying, general, oh God, protect my children. Many things are happening. God understands the inner conversations of these ones more than you do. There are many challenges they might be facing they won't tell you. But the Spirit of God knows. And when we pray in the Spirit, the Bible says the Spirit prays. And your spirit has better connection with the Holy Spirit. So he can translate these things and intercede in perfect terms. So when you don't know what to pray, don't be afraid. Get the person's name. Get into the flow. Pray for them. Praise the Lord. Call their names. 
whenever they are around, lay hands, speak words to them. It's very important. We are the prophets, parents, we are the prophets of our children. And nobody can bless them more than you can. Because you will have that passion. It's, it, it's your connection. You can speak more. So let's not, when they do wrong, let's not be carried away by the devil's distractions. Trying to get annoyed. And, yes, even so, when I flog, I say, you are a good boy in Jesus' name. You shall be, speak such words. Don't call them idiot, nonsense. Everything they make a frog is no. Speak the right words. Speak those prophetic words that God has said concerning them, even when you punish them. That way, the devil wouldn't have you as a partner, you know, to fulfill the work he wants to do. Now we look at the testing. Prophetic gift was imparted into Timothy when the work he was called started. The presbytery, we won't have time to read this one, called him, laid hands and prayed for him, and declared words over him. Then Apostle Paul also laid hands and prayed for him and declared words. And subsequently in writing, he kept reminding him, fan into flame, this gift of God, fan into flame, this boldness, this thing that God dropped in you by the laying hand on of hands of the presbytery or the laying on of hands of my hands when I declared words for you. And we'll still come to how he fanned those things in. But it's important. We do that here. And I thank God for the kind of leadership he has given us here. Several times there has been cause to, you know, call up the young ones or people generally here to pray and to lay hands on them. And in such moments, the Spirit of God puts words in the mouth of the person speaking. Some of those things they speak, they didn't premeditate on them. But it comes. Pay attention to what is being said. Go, write them down. Those are some of the, well, correlate them with the scriptures. Because that's the greatest prophecy. Use these things to do warfare. They are not just mere words. And then we'll look at how to find them into flame. Because that's essentially what Paul kept doing when he was writing. He kept telling him, find this thing into flame. Do not just leave them to lie dormant. Because when you leave them to lie dormant, like muscle, when unexercised, tends to shrink. But when you exercise them by faith, they grow. Yeah. The fourth thing will look at discipleship and mentorship. Apostle Paul had so much influence on Timothy. And we'll read some scriptures to quickly summarize that. Can someone please get um, First Timothy, or everyone, let's get First Timothy 1, 18 to 19. Then I'll read Second Timothy 1, 6 to 7. First Timothy 1, 18 to 19. This charge I commit unto the son, Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Thank you very much. Then Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God does not, for the, for the Spirit of God gave for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Praise the Lord. 
from these two places we read, you saw the influence that Paul had on him. He said that he laid hands on him, he prayed for him, and gifts were what transferred into him. So he spent time to pray for him, as we have read in Second uh, Timothy one six, when we read that, um, where Apostle Paul was saying that, you know, through the night he prayed for him several night, several hours during the long night. I have prayed for you. So part of the mentorship or discipleship we will receive from elders, you know, which is important for the young ones, is that we should pray for them, as I've said before. We should intercede for them. We should lay hands and bless them. Then we should also, from what he said there, he said one, he constantly built him up with faith-filled words. And I tried to pick out some of those words. There are some others, but I picked some of the ones I want us to quickly look at. He said, stir up the gift of God which is in you. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, so he identified the problem he has and told him what God has said concerning them. Then he told him to fight the good fight of the faith and then to hold on to faith and good conscience. While he was working with him, he progressively gave him responsibilities. He started with moving with him so that he would see how the work is done. Because I believe the time he was timid, he might not have been able to preach so much or do the work as he eventually did when the second testimony about him came. But he started as he's moving, he was learning. So when we go for evangelism, the young ones, and let's go with them. If you have somebody you're discipling, or like we do here, or today, which is what evangelism, check the person. Let the person hear. Sometimes the fear is that people don't know exactly what to say. Or they feel it's this one big thing. But when you go with somebody and listen, you see that you can actually do it. Because it's the word and the testimony God has built up in you that will speak. And then we speak life. Not just um, words. So, some of that fear is also broken when we go out. Then as he progressed, he started sending him to go and encourage churches. And also sent him to, sometimes he will leave him to pastor some church. So, by then he has grown. He has done things. And it's a process. And I believe as we also set up these kind of processes among the ones we are discipling, God will help them to grow and come to that point where strong testimony will be given about them. In Jesus' name. Now, what? Enter the real thing I really wanted to dwell on. All these words were spoken, instructions given. Paul told him, stir up the gift that is in you. Fight the good fight of the faith. Holding on to faith and good conscience. By the time the good testimony came, it means that he spent time to do these things. And we might give so many instructions, we might remember words, but until you put these words into practice, you find out they will not bear fruit. So we will look at the specific instructions he gave them because I believe in the how. Most times we are told what to do, but the how becomes an issue. So you desire to do, but you don't find the how. So we'll look at how did he stir up this gift of God. How? And we'll do that from the scriptures. Um, let's quickly, somebody quickly turn to Second Peter 1.13. And another person, Second Peter 3.1. I'll read 2 Peter 3.1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. 
Some translations say to stir up your mind unto wholesome thinking or to stir you up unto wholesome thinking. Can another person read the second one? Second Peter one thirteen. Yeah, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Thank you very much for that word. That's actually what I was looking for. To stir you up by putting you in constant remembrance. So an important way to stir up what we have inside us is to find a way to remember what hasn't even been deposited because these things we are deposited through words that we are spoken and hands that we are laid. There are spiritual things we don't see. And you may go home still feeling the same person. But we need to remind ourselves of those words by meditating on them, thinking on them, reminding ourselves, saying them, we stir ourselves up. Praise the Lord. And then another important way to stir up is that if there are scriptures, wonderful. If there are not, get scriptural basis for those things. And as you get into the place of prayer, declare those words about yourself. If you are the one that is fearful, declare I am bold. Declare about the spirit of Christ that is in you. Declare the words that God has spoken. And as you declare this thing, pray in tongues. In Jude 20, you know, Bible said that then building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. And that translation in Amplified says that make progress, rise as an edifice higher and higher. There is something that happens to us when we spend time praying in the Spirit. As an edifice, we are built up. And then there's another place that says that charge up yourself like a battery. Now, these things quicken your spirit so that the spiritual deposits there will manifest. Because until this thing manifests and translates from your spirit to the mind and to the body, they are not useful to people around. So you can know many things. But when you go to the world or the call comes, let's go to the world, you are afraid to pray for the sick. Even though maybe sometimes you've received the gifts of healing and your mind tells you this deposit is there. Stare it up. Spend time to declare those words. Spend time to pray in the spirit and stare yourself up. And then we go out. Because that's another thing that has to happen. It's usually when we go out that these things manifest. Praise the Lord. We'll come to the second instruction he gave him, fight the good fight of the faith. And I see this as being very vital for the youth. I love the drama for one thing it's pointed out. You saw what happened here. The real battle of life is actually in the mind. Some people might spend time casting and binding and um, fighting human beings. And the real battle, where we lose it or win it, it's in our thought life. And that's why the Bible tells us to do what? To guard your mind. Guard your mind. Not your spirit because it's born again. It's renewed. And the word comes to it. But he wants you to renew your mind by looking at what he has said about you. What he has deposited. By so doing, we are transformed to be like Christ. And in the drama, we saw the internal distractions, the noise that is so much in our time. I love the, what he, they displayed about Wasa. At the time, it was an issue for me too, the phone. And there's this message someone has circulated, I don't know if it's on WhatsApp, where you see one young man, the phone was dragging him from this side, while the Bible was dragging him on the other side. And if we look inwards, we'll see that this is very, very true for most of us. Until you settle down to think of how many hours we spend on frivolities and think of how many hours we spend 
in either praying or studying the Word of God or doing whatever relates to God and put it together, you really understand what has the most part and attention in your life. It's easy to replace God in our lives. Subtly. And we don't even know. You talk about idolatry, it looks very far. We think of going to the shrine somewhere to worship. But it's whatever takes our attention away from God and preoccupies us more and more. So I want us to identify these things. And there are some other things here. This picture portrays some struggles that young people have. There are more. The first one there shows a young man by the background having his laptop and looking at it. Then a young lady in front by the, the other side holding a phone and also so absorbed with it. The phone could point to the distraction we have just mentioned. But in this day and age, there is something that is written there. It's very faint. Let me try to read it here. It says, hooked. A response to Christian porn and addiction. You go on the net to browse, to check your mail, to do important things. And stupid things keep pumping here and there. Before you know it, people start drifting and clicking and even though they still come to church, you know, and pray and pray in tongues and do a lot of things for God, but there's an internal struggle. For the person below by my left, you see his hand with what looks like a chain, chaining him to a bundle of cigarettes. Some people have prayed, they are converts, they have received the word, but there is this struggle between habits, and this can represent many habits, not just the grace, there are many of them who won't have time to go into them. Now, these people love the Lord. They want to break free from this thing. They don't enjoy it. But there is that struggle that keeps going on, and you see the frustrated man there, by the right, holding his head in regret. He has fallen again, and he's there, regretting. Now, these things there are difficult areas to discuss with people. And because people keep quiet, let's not be deceived to think that they don't go on, that people don't struggle with them. They are real. They are with us. Our young people struggle with a lot of things. I will read something. It's long, but it's central to my message, even if I just succeed in reading it and saying a few more things. I think I will be very happy. I got it in the internet, and it's very important. It's quite long. But I'll try and read fast. Please pay attention. It will help you. Somebody said, I'm writing this letter to those who are genuinely born again. But they are struggling with some secret sins because I was there. There is something glorious about your future that God will show you. And once you see that, you will not need any pastor to keep preaching holiness messages to you daily. When you see a girl singing in the choir, yet from the choir, she keeps sexual appointments. Check that girl. She has not seen anything about her future. When you see a young boy who dressed to church to seduce those small girls to bed and his mates will be clapping for him. Check that young man. He has spiritual eye problems. He hasn't seen anything about his future. If you do it again and again, that if you make those mistakes, God will surely forgive you if you repent sincerely again and again. But while he is busy forgiving you, angels are busy searching for someone else heaven will use to replace you for the assignment God has written for you. What separates men before God is not how long they pray or how much scriptures they know. 
the value God places on people is not determined by the position they occupy in the church, but how much they can bear for his name, the sacrifices you can make for him. Sometimes he allows your salary to be delayed to know if you will start stealing in the office. I won't mention the big stealings, but we know them. Sometimes he allows some some loose ladies around to start suggesting sex to you to know if you have grown. But unfortunately, you still fall again. Yes, he will forgive, but you will still remain in the same class in the school of glory. Decisions separate men. There is an oil that comes with separation. The weight of a man is buried in the decisions he makes when no one else is watching him. Many times, God allows you to be lonely so that you can really be holy. If it takes a man being married to become responsible, we will not have many married irresponsible men scattered all over the place who are renting houses for their girlfriends while their wives are still at home. Because there is this deception that, oh, when I get married, some people want to escape into marriage as a way out of lust. When a man is due for marriage, he should get married. But don't tell me that you want to get married because you want to escape fornication. Marriage is not an escape route into a responsible life. What you cannot control when you are single has the power to control you even when you are married. Joseph was not married before he ran away naked from Potiphar's wife's bedroom. It was not a marriage ring on his finger that made him refuse the gestures. But because he knew the future God has planned for him, and he knows this future will be messed up by a single decision. God wants to raise a generation of young men and women that will love God where no one else is seeing them. God wants to raise a breed that doesn't appear holy only when they are with their parents or their pastors. Their holiness by dressing, this holiness by dressing movement is sending people from choir seats to hell. They are dying in secret sin, yet they have no one to cry to because once they confess, they are afraid they will be stigmatized. Consequently, we are raising a generation that is speaking in tongues on their way to hell. Sister, singing in the choir doesn't confer value, so much value on men before God, but the decisions we take do. The greatest tool against, this end, against the church in this earth time is the adulteration of the message of grace. They teach you that God will forgive. But they will not teach you that God will not promote you to another class. No matter how you love your child, you will not give him your car key to use when you know he has not perfected the art of driving. As long as that child is finding it hard to drive perfectly, he will keep trekking to school. There is someone listening to this writer. Heaven is saying that you are due for your manifestation but you have not made a decision yet. You are still afraid of hunger. You don't want to starve. They have even told you that there is no young person like you that doesn't have sexual partners, that human beings are wired by God to fall and rise again. Several times you have made moves to delete all those phone numbers that connect you to your vomit, but you have been afraid of those days of loneliness that might follow. You don't want to miss those cuddles. You don't know if you can ever look into his eyes and tell him no sense. Even if he's as sense, 
you are afraid that you might never cook because you get the little money here and there. I know you've been trying to make amends. You have answered the altar call several times, yet you still fall back even more deeper. Some of us were there not too long ago, singing in the choir, leading powerful prayer sessions, battling with addictions. Worst of all, we were afraid to tell anyone because people around will never have understood how much we are trying. But the message now comes. We bought different anointing oil from different men of God. We were not free. We were even more afflicted. We afflicted ourselves with fasting. We were not set free until we encountered the word of God. When Jesus said that we are made clean by the words that I speak unto you, we began to study the Bible. Like Job, we began to esteem God's word over and above our necessary food. Gradually, the addictions began to lose its grip. God began to change our appetites. Until today, the darkness is past. The true light now shineth. Brother, I want to commend you to the word of God. The word of God will settle that lost issue. Don't go and rush in tomorrow if you're not ready because you want to avoid temptation. The spirit of lust does not respect the wedding ring. There are still single guys who are serving God in spirit and in truth. Reading five chapters of the Bible every day and praying at least an hour. You will see that your mind will stop going to those thoughts when you embrace the scriptures and value them. Jesus did not say it's easy, but he said that with God all things are possible. Friend, the God that did it for others and for me will also do it for you if you show up on his school of the word. Receive the grace to feed on the word of God. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry I had to take this time, but it says some important things. Paul said something that he Timothy should fight the good fight of faith. And he went on to say how holding on to the words of prophecies and good conscience, or holding on to faith and good conscience. In this battle, um, you know, there's a place in 1 John 2.14 where the Bible says that young men are right to you because you're, you're strong and you've overcome the evil one. Why? How? Because the word of God is what? Alive in you. And in Hebrews, um, Ephesians 6 verse 16, it says that above all these other things he has mentioned, holding or putting on the shield of faith with which will quench every fiery dart of the evil one. And in Hebrews 4 from 14 to 16, he was talking about how we have a high priest who understands our weaknesses. We don't have one who doesn't understand our frailties and the difficulties we face. Christ has passed through these trials and temptations, yet he didn't fall. And he's able to succor us when we go to him in sincerity. And he said, come boldly, not timidly, because he has paid the price. He has called you, he has put his spirit in you. But he's saying, come sincerely. Do not hide these things. Be sincere towards him. That's a place of good conscience. Be sincere to yourself. Don't call these things names and cover them and do as if they are not there. No. Come sincerely. Call them names. Call them what they are. And come boldly into the place of God. And he said in the scriptures in the Hebrew too. That he has said these things. So that we can boldly do what? Say. So the steps quickly. In fighting this good fight of faith. Pray in the spirit about that issue. Lay it before God sincerely. Pray in the spirit. And I will advise. That's why it's important we pray in the spirit. It's important in Christian race. 
pray in tongues about that thing. Pray until you pray through. The praying through may not, doesn't really mean God has broken it. But the seal that will open the world to you has been opened. When you look by your right or your left, you will hear the voice that will tell you, go here. You open the scriptures in Jeremiah, is talking about that thing. You open it here, God is showing you. And in reading through the scriptures, you can use the, um, and the Bible index, and there are many other helps you can use. But scripture will jump to you. Specifically, search for those scriptures that address that challenge. You can apply it to whatever challenge you're facing, that challenge you have. Look for scriptures that tell you your reality, the true thing you are in Christ. Because as you behold that image as in a mirror, and you focus your gaze on it, prayerfully, you will be changed into the same glorious image God has told you of who you are. So, search out those scriptures, keep them before your eyes, place them on your lips. That's how you feed on them. Meditate and declare them to your spirit. They feed you. Hide them in your heart. Because scriptures say that, how this time he said that, you know, he said that your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not do what? Sin against you. And also say that if I had, some scriptures say if I had regarded iniquity on my heart or if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. Don't cover it there and be cherishing it. No. Call it death, what it is. I read something sometime. And if I remember, it makes me laugh. But I adopted it and it's been working for me. Somebody said that, Tell yourself that any other woman <laughs> that is not your wife, eh? as far as anything sex is concerned, is poison. Get near and they will kill you. And truly, that's what it is. When the Bible says death, it doesn't talk about physical death. There's another thing, death of destinies, death of purposes, death of callings and things. If you see it as poison that bites and kills, you won't even entertain such thoughts. And when you entertain, get the word of God that talks about purity and embrace them. And God will help you. Then, lastly, I will fly to my last slide here, which is about washing ourselves daily by the word of God. We'll read it, we'll meditate. But over time, God will have been speaking things to you that address things. Or that particular challenge, challenge you want to zero in on. Get those scriptures, then leave them scattered here and there. Write them down somewhere. Type them. I have thought, I just picked some excerpts from some of we have series of confessions about the Christian life, about pleading the blood of Jesus and many other ones. But I try to fish one from the, what I call the Christian creed. We remind ourselves. That's what Paul told him. Remind yourself of these things by declaring them. When you get up, sometime before I start even the real prayer, sing praise, I declare these words. They have connected with your heart because you have received revelation on them. They charge once you speak them. It's talking about your spirit. It's talking about the way it charges you up. So I declare those words. And I'll try to write some here. You have to remind yourself, I am born again by the incorruptible seed of God. There are many things. I just fix them out. Though I'm in the world, I am not of the world. I love righteousness and hate iniquity. I do not yield on any of my members to sin. Rather, I yield them to righteousness and the work of God. I am led by the Spirit of God through His inward witness. When you declare those words, you really realize God will find it easier to lead you because if these things strengthen your faith. Some people say, we don't hear God, we don't. Your inside has to be still. There is this thing He leads. You know, I learned, it wasn't easy initially, but you, it's that quietness, it's that peace, togetherness. Declare it out of your mouth, don't be afraid. Before you know, your body will start, you may call it your body, call it a bit, the checks will start coming from within you. Praise the Lord. The chastisement of my peace, both the peace of my mind and of my body was laid upon him. 
some of these words remind you of what Christ has done. And I want to quickly round up. But I won't finish without saying that the first point, as we saw, was that spiritual, that, that, that real faith, that true faith being instilled into your spirit. Because God will not call you to work or expect you to be zealous in his work doing things if you don't first have the testimony inside. So I would like to give the opportunity for anyone here. There are two prayers we will pray. One, for those who want to give their life to Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We'll make the call. Then two, for those of you who might be facing challenges. You know, there are some things you're struggling with. There are some little foxes. It might not be seen, but God is saying you're giving more attention to these things that are not me. These things that don't really help you. And you truly want to break free from it. The power of God is here to help us. If you want to give your life to the Lord Jesus, I would like you to, you know, lay your hands on your chest and take the prayer. And then there will be time for us to also come out. And if you, there's an addiction you want to break, there's an opportunity for the Lord to minister to you too. There is really nothing in this world to desire. And there's nothing in this world that will compare to what he has prepared for those who love him in eternity. And there's nothing that should deprive us of the opportunity to spend eternity with him and not face the fires of hell. So if the Lord is touching your heart, take this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your call to me. I thank you for bringing your word to my heart. Thank you for your love that you had for me. That even while I was still a sinner, you died for me. Thank you, Lord, for paying the price for sin. And for paying all that is needed to buy me over and to bring me and restore my relationship with you. This day, I ask you to come into my heart. Cleanse me from all the baggages. Cleanse me from all the dirtiness and defilement. Cleanse me from all the sins. Establish me upon the rock. Write my name in the book of life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I declare, I believe with my heart that you died for my salvation and you went to the grave so that I will be liberated from the powers of darkness and that you woke up that I might have the newness of life. I declare with my mouth that this work which you did for me is mine today. And I declare with my mouth today that you are the Lord of my life. Take charge and guide me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you for hearing me. For in Jesus' name we pray. Now, the second prayer I will be praying will be for those that know that this word concerning struggles, addictions, it might be different things. It could be the phone engagements that waste our time, pornography. It could be many things for us. But you know that this is gradually ruining your relationship with God. It's gradually stealing your heart away from the Father. I would like you to sincerely bring that matter that is your own before God this moment. As you lay hands on your heart, I would like you to present that matter to God and ask the Lord that you are dropping it at the foot of the Master. That this thing is not what the cross of Jesus. That this thing is not what the great future that he has for you. That he should open your eyes unto the greatness he has prepared for you. 
But when you see that greatness, you will not see any reason to go back to those vomitus again. Decide. If there are phone numbers you need to delete, decide to delete them. Make up your mind. This is a moment of decision. Make those decisions. I believe the Spirit of God is dropping specific decisions some of us might need to make. So I, be, I want you to make that decision before. And he sees the heart. He sees our minds. He's the unsaid prayers. He hears them. So let them hear the sincere cry of your heart to help you. And ask him that today, you're turning away from that thing and you're turning fully to him and giving him the rightful place in your life. Begin to summarize your prayers. In Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Eternal Rock of Ages, we bless your name for these your children who have identified the issues that you will need to deal with in their lives. And Lord, thank you, Lord, for sending your word to them and giving them the humility of spirit to stand up before you and to make these words, these confessions. Lord, we join our faith with theirs. And we declare on the basis of the work of Jesus that has paid what is needed to set us free from every bondage of the enemy. Lord, we declare today that their bondage to that thing ends today and every yoke is broken from off their necks in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that from today, Lord, that desire for that evil we begin to die and dwindle from their spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you raise a hunger for your word and a hunger for you in them. Lord, let every broken altar be built up again so that they will come before you in sincerity and receive enablement. I pray that your word will be ever so dear to them and be the first thing they go to. And Lord, that you take your rightful place in their lives to the glory of your name. In Jesus' most precious name we have prayed.